Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, March 10th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The U.S. Congress is set to vote on President Joe Biden's economic stimulus plan. The pandemic seems to be lowering birth rates across Europe, and a South Korean e-commerce giant is about to list in New York. But back home, it's under fire for harsh working conditions. Plus, there's renewed excitement about hydrogen as an alternative to fossil fuels. It's actually very difficult when you cover the energy industry at the moment to have a conversation that doesn't include a reference to hydrogen. But how much can the gas help clean up the world's energy use? We'll take a look. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The U.S. House of Representatives is expected to vote on President Joe Biden's stimulus plan today. Once signed, the $1.9 trillion economic package would be a milestone in the administration's first 100 days. I'm joined now by the FT's Lauren Fedor. She covers Congress. Lauren, what was the biggest change that was needed to get this through the Senate and on to the House where it is today? You've got to remember that the Senate right now is very finely balanced between Democrats and Republicans. It's split 50-50 with Vice President Kamala Harris able to cast a tie-breaking vote. That means that there's a handful of Democratic senators, the most moderate or centrist senators in the caucus, are able to exert a lot of influence. They had concerns primarily about the stimulus checks, which are very popular with the American public, but some of these senators wanted them to be more targeted towards people on lower incomes. And there were also concerns about top-ups in unemployment insurance and how long that was going to last. In the end, they reached a compromise that meant that those checks were going to start being phased out at a slightly lower level, and that unemployment insurance, uh, the additional unemployment insurance, would last until the beginning of September. Now, while the Senate wrangled over this, the OECD came out yesterday and said the plan would boost the global economic recovery from the pandemic. What are economists saying it'll do to the U.S. economy? The consensus is generally that this fiscal stimulus will will only boost the economy and, and kind of supercharge the recovery. The Biden administration loves to quote a forecast from Moody's that says that it could add up to 7 million jobs. That's really important given the, the huge levels of unemployment that we've seen in the wake of the pandemic. You know, it's not universally popular with economists. There are those who've raised concerns that this sheer scale of this spending could could lead to a spike in inflation. And there are, you know, the, the hawks who have also raised some concerns about additional borrowing and what that might mean for the deficit and and debt further down the road. Lauren Fedor is the FT's Washington correspondent. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks, Mark. And in Europe, the pandemic seems to have taken a toll on birth rates. France, Italy, and Spain all reported sharp declines in babies born nine months or more since their pandemic lockdowns. Evidence points to similar trends in the UK and the US, too. The most startling decline in births was in France, which usually has the EU's highest fertility rate. But from January 2020 to January 2021, France's birth rate fell 13%. Falling birth rates during pandemics or economic crises are not surprising. There were fewer babies born during the Great Depression and the 1970s oil crisis. What's unprecedented about this baby bust, according to one researcher, is how sharp the drop is. Another researcher said people have avoided having kids because they're worried not just about their economic livelihoods, but are also concerned about their children getting sick. (laughs) 
South Korea's e-commerce giant, Coupang, will list on the New York Stock Exchange this week. Coupang is South Korea's version of Amazon. It's backed by big-name global investment funds like BlackRock and SoftBank, and it's hoping for a valuation of more than $50 billion. But back home in South Korea, the company is being accused of workplace abuse and employee deaths. Ed White is the FT's sole bureau chief. He has more. Once we started speaking to current and former workers uh, and their unions and, and the government officials who have been investigating the company, we were increasingly told that basically the technology that has been uh, used is essentially just squeezing workers. And so stemming from that, you have coupon employees from staff in the warehouse to the delivery drivers on the streets, basically scrambling to meet tighter and tighter deadlines. But Ed, are there labor laws to address issues like this? Basically, South Korean labor laws are robust for full-time employees, but there are a lot of loopholes um, that can be exploited when it comes to temporary workers and shorter-term workers. And so beyond the alleged deaths that we've reported on, workers also said to us that it's very common for people just not to last in the job with coupon for very long because of exhaustion. And others told us you know, directly that they themselves feared for their own health if they were to continue on with the company. Okay, but... Has Coupang responded at all to these claims? The company declined to speak to us, um, but it has said previously, uh, it's been very clear that it's been investing heavily, you know, in the hundreds of millions of dollars last year alone to reduce the workload on its employees. Obviously, from what we've reported and from what we're hearing from workers directly at the moment, these investments haven't yet really resulted in a much really improved uh, workplace for the Coupang workers. So, Ed, now that this is all out in the open, do you think it could have an effect on Coupang's financing backers or, or the listing? Yeah, so SoftBank, and particularly the Vision Fund, has been the key backer of Coupang. It's also got BlackRock, Sequoia, and a, a number of other major international funds. Um, there's also huge banks you know, leading uh, the underwriting on the listing, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan among them. These are groups that globally are you know, spending a huge amount of money on PR, talking about their environmental and social credentials and their governance reforms. And yet, here you have a clear example uh, with Coupon of a company with pretty serious labour questions surrounding it. And these investors haven't said, and as far as we know, haven't said anything about these labour issues. They appear to have turned a blind eye to pretty questionable practices. Ed White is the FT's sole bureau chief. When we talk about renewable energy, the images that come to mind are solar panels or wind turbines. But there's another form of energy that's been talked about for decades. It's hydrogen. Right now, hydrogen only accounts for about 2% of primary energy use around the world. But the FT's Natalie Thomas has been reporting on efforts to scale up green hydrogen. There's a lot of interest from companies, governments, policymakers around clean hydrogen. And clean hydrogen is a sort of catch-all term to describe hydrogen that is produced in that way, using renewable power to produce hydrogen from water. But also it can be produced from natural gas and then the emissions produced would then be captured and stored. People have been talking about hydrogen for decades. What's different now? What's different now is we, obviously, since 2015, we've had the Paris Climate Agreement. A number of governments have adopted net zero targets. There are currently around 17 governments worldwide that have adopted hydrogen strategies, including the likes of uh, the EU and, and Germany and the UK. And 
governments are really trying to scrabble to find ways to cut emissions from sectors where there may not currently be very obvious solutions and from harder to abate sectors such as steel, long distance transport. So they're really trying quite hard to find ways of cutting emissions from those sectors. And low carbon hydrogen has been put forward as as a possible solution for a number of those industries. Mm. So Natalie, what are some of the hurdles that come with moving to hydrogen at a large scale as an alternative to fossil fuels? So so-called green hydrogen, that's very expensive when you compare it to grey hydrogen, the hydrogen that's widely produced today from fossil fuels. Also, it's it's very inefficient. People also point out that in many fields, there are also alternative technologies. Take transport, for example, passenger cars. I mean, there, there are electric vehicles that are already in widespread use. In heating, for example, you could potentially use uh, electric heat pumps and there are other alternatives instead of hydrogen boilers. So, you know, there are sceptics out there who are becoming increasingly vocal and pushing back against a lot of the hydrogen lobbying that's going on at the moment. Natalie Thomas is the FT's energy correspondent. You can catch the FT's five-part series on hydrogen on our website, ft.com. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. And finally, news of a deal that could give an American company the edge in Europe's budding marijuana market. Recreational cannabis use is still largely illegal in Europe, but U.S.-based Curaleaf, currently the world's largest pot retailer, is banking on Europe legalizing recreational marijuana use. And to make sure it's ready, Curaleaf has agreed to buy one of Europe's biggest marijuana cultivators, a company called Emac Life Sciences. The deal is worth about $300 million. Curaleaf's executive chairman said he expects the U.S. to remain the world's largest market for marijuana, but pointed out that Europe is twice the population. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.